in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. now in glad to have you with us on a wednesday middle of the work week hump day call it what you want we're calling all kinds of stuff here today we've got major league baseball to talk about off day today game five tomorrow dodgers giants and then the field will be complete for the alcs nlcs starting on friday and saturday okay football we got plenty to talk about with that, too. Steve Berline is going to join us. We talk NFL week number six, a quick look ahead. And then, of course, we got plenty of Raiders stuff to talk about today. And uh, their new interim head coach, a guy who's been with the organization for quite some time, Rich Basaccia. He uh, is addressing the media as we speak right now. The Raiders back at practice today. You're going to hear from Mike Mayock. The Raiders general manager. We got to plenty of audio from him from his press conference earlier today. We'll dive into all that as we continue to follow this story. It continues to develop, and we'll give you all that and more. Heidi Fang is going to join us as well, too. She's been on the scene there, Raider headquarters in Henderson uh, all day today. So Heidi will join us next hour. So plenty to do, plenty to talk about. And Ballpark Frank is back at home. That's right. So we will check in. With ballpark slash VGK Frank, and I guess I got to start calling him VGK Frank again since you know we had the Golden Knights kick off the season, face off the season, call it what you want. Last night I was there for three, the final. I got to admit I was a little bit disappointed in everything. The the not I shouldn't say everything, but the hype was there. The opening night festivities were fantastic as usual. The ESPN crowd was there as uh, John Bouchagras uh, was doing hockey. And uh, he said that he was blown away by the crowd, the elements of production like we've been seeing now for going on five seasons. But uh, the Golden Knights, they won. They got the W. 4-3, though. Did not cover that puck line if you're giving up a goal and a half. After being down 3 nothing. I'd rather be leading 3 nothing. Yeah, so we'll uh, give you some thoughts on the Golden Knights season opener last night as they defeat the Kraken of Seattle. The Seattle Kraken, the expansion team playing their first game, their 0-1. But a game effort by the Kraken the entire contest, especially there in the second and the third periods. All right, so we'll dive into all that for you. All right, so a lot to cover here on the show for you today. All right, the latest On the Raiders, the email scandal, John Gruden. The Raiders had a team meeting this morning uh, with Mark Davis, Mike Mayock, uh, Rich Basaccia. They were all there. Uh, They got to talk to the players. Players gave their feedback as well, too. And Mark Mark Davis led off the meeting this morning, basically telling the players as much as he knew what had transpired his thoughts on his longtime friend and associate, John Gruden, the man who he hired, knowing that uh, he was going to be the guy that he thought for a long term by sen- by signing the 10-year contract at $10 million per season, leading this team into Las Vegas. So very emotional day, or days, we should say, from Mark Davis. Mark Davis actually... Uh, was interviewed by Paul Gutierrez, who covers uh, the Raiders on the beat, and Mark Davis really didn't feel like talking, but he did give the reporter one statement. It said, I have no comment. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. So if you want to read in between the lines where Mark Davis is going with that, first of all, it's telling you that Mark doesn't want to talk about this, and rightfully so. And he really doesn't need to talk about it. And I know there are people, especially 
in the print journalism that, you know, want a quote or other people that, you know, television guys that want a soundbite. And there's the radio personnel that do that as well, too. They want to break stories and and they want to pry and make people uncomfortable. Uh, Mark Davis is in a very low spot right now. Not only is he having to go through this, but they start the season off 3-0. and They're now 3-2. and You lose to a divisional rival in the Chargers a couple weeks ago. You lose a game on Sunday at home, your first home game that you lost, against a team you were favored by five points by that you should have beaten. And you have just a lethargic effort all the way around on all three facets, offense, defense, special teams. Not good at all. Did the news that came out Friday and when John Gruden met with the team for his, well, basically the last team meeting that he had, except for you know before the game on Sunday and after the game on Sunday, did it have an effect on how they played? Every player, every general manager, every coach will say, no, it didn't. But you have to question that when you watch how this team performed, especially, it's one thing if you're lack, lacking execution, but you know how you can tell if the players are sidetracked or unmotivated? You watch them on the sideline. And during that entire game, it was different than any of the previous four games prior. Whether the home games against Baltimore in Miami or the road games against Pittsburgh and the Chargers. They looked lifeless. Now, whether it was the news about Gruden, whether Gruden you know, was coaching his last game, you don't have any idea. Was it just the Bears were more physical and, and, and brought it to him? I don't know. It didn't seem like the Raiders had much energy from the opening kickoff. And th- this was a game that the Raiders were in for the most part, the entire game. So it, it's a fair question. But the answers that we're getting from all parties is that it had no effect. So Mark Davis led off the meeting this morning with the team, talking about the situation, talking about John Gruden being let go, and this is what the team needs to do going forward. Then Mike Mayock spoke to them, and uh, then the new interim coach, Rick uh, Biasaccia uh, took it from there. So uh, Carl Nassib met with Mike Mayock earlier today as well, too. And as we know, Carl Nassib, the first openly gay player to come out, uh, is with the Raiders. And a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, how did this affect him? Well, <laughs> you got to ask what I've been asking the last couple of days, too. Well, how did this affect the locker room with you know, the black players, when you have 75% of your locker room is black. Well, Carl Nassib said that he wanted to take a day off today. He goes, I need a personal day. I have a lot to process, need some time to get away from football, need some time to get away from this. And Mike Mayock granted him a day off and said, that's fine, Carl, so take some time. So that alone shows you the effect of this story. And this is more than just a story. I mean, this is this is life. This is life that is happening right now. John Gruden's life has been changed probably forever. Him and his family, it's going to have an effect. It's going to be highly doubtful that John Gruden, you know, works again in the, in the NFL. Now, we know we've seen situations like this in the past where time heals wounds and maybe the NFL will soften their stance with Gruden. But I got to believe where John Gruden is right now at 58 years old that he probably will not you know, come back in a coaching capacity. But things could change. Does he have that opportunity to go back in the media? Some people think that he has a better shot of, of coming back in the media than he does uh, in any position, whether it's a front office position in the NFL or an on-the-field position. Only time will tell. And here's the thing. This story is not just about John Gruden. This story is a lot deeper than that. And we've been trying to get our head around this the last couple days. Why the timing of this? Why did this report get leaked? Did it come from the NFL? Did did somebody want John Gruden fired? Um, 
Was this disdain from NFL owners or people inside the NFL office, specifically Roger Goodell? Those are all fair questions. But here's what we know as of now. This is much bigger than John Gruden. This wasn't a witch hunt to go after John Gruden and get him fired. Here's what I believe, that the only reason that this happened and the reason why this got discovered was because of the NFL investigation that's been going on for quite some time with the Washington football team in that whole ordeal. 650,000 emails all right, were found as part of this investigation. Think about that. 650,000 emails, and they're going through emails from Daniel Snyder's office, Bruce Allen's office, and of course, Bruce Allen and John Gruden were very close. They worked together in Oakland. They worked together in Tampa Bay. They remained friends, and we're all aware of that long history and that friendship that they had, all right? So when the NFL was going through this, they found emails from Gruden and obviously piqued their interest. They were not looking for this. Don't believe they were looking for it. Again, this investigation has been going on a while, which begs the question, are they completely done with sanctions against the Washington football team? Now, Daniel Snyder had to step away from his daily operations as owner of Washington. (laughs) He was fined $10 million, and he had to step away for one year. Okay, That was the punishment handed down. But the daily operations are being handled by his wife. (laughs) So, of course, you can question whether Daniel Snyder is still pulling the strings from his home, his office, wherever that is, and how capable is his wife making daily decisions. So there's a little bit of a charade possibly going on there. So as the NFL continues to find out about the harassment the sexual allegations that took place at Redskin Park over this course of time. They find emails, but how come we haven't heard about any other emails that Daniel Snyder is, is has dished out or received or other employees, and who else was talked about, whether it was players, executives, coaches? But what we do know is, that when they went through these emails, they found the correspondence between John Gruden and Bruce Allen. And now we're finding out the details of these emails. And they're not ignoring it. Coming out, finding out that, you know, John Gruden is talking about uh, Roger Goodell, making the disparaging remarks about D. Maurice Smith, the NFLPA executive director, the racial slurs there. Then you have the homophobic slurs talking about uh, why the Rams and Jeff Fisher were pressured. That was, I believe, the word that was used in the email, saying why did Goodell pressure Jeff Fisher and the Rams to draft queers? That is the verbiage that John Gruden decided to use. So when a guy like Carl Nassib hears that, of course he's going to be taken back by that because he probably never saw that side of John Gruden. The black players, the minority players, probably never saw that side of John Gruden because when those were those guys were interviewed no one really said well yeah it, it figures or whatever they said well like Josh Jacobs said he goes I really you know I, I've, I've known the guy for two three years never really knew that side but hey it is what it is and you know that was 10 years ago maybe people grow so you really truly don't know how a lot of players feel. So more and more of the stories or just the, the information you know, coming out of these emails, we're, we're going to continue to find because the NFL will continue to dig. Now that also begs the question, there are a lot of media people out there that are saying, we deserve the right to know what are in these emails. No, you don't. The media really doesn't. They would like to because they'd like to have a story. They'd like to be the breaking news story. They want to be the person that breaks it. But remember, this got out when they were reviewing these emails in Washington. And then they 
find out that John Gruden said these things, these appalling things, these horrific things, and that's when they said, Mark Davis, we need to alert you to what has transpired here. And now it's up to Mark Davis to make that decision. Because really, did the NFL have jurisdiction over firing John Gruden? It's a big question mark. Because he wasn't working as, for an NFL team. He was working as part of the media. Now, he was working with ESPN, which was the, is the partner of the National Football League, from a media context. And John Gruden was doing Monday Night Football. So... Who knows where this could have gone, but Mark Davis felt pressured, I'm sure, and then he also was probably very disgusted. But then again, he was very disappointed in his friend, John Gruden, as well, too. Who he was paying $10 million a season, a $100 million contract, $60 million still owed on this contract. So, yes, he gave John Gruden the opportunity to resign. He saves money that way, saves some face. But still, Mark Davis is under all kind of scrutiny here as well. Because now people are saying, well, if you knew about this on Friday, why did you allow John Gruden to coach the game against the Bears on Sunday? Mike Mayock was asked questions today. We are going to give you sound from Mike Mayock and his responses. Here is Mike Mayock earlier today in his opening statement about this situation. So... A lot going on in this building and this franchise for the last several days. And, you know, the way I grew up, the Raiders always stood for diversity. They had the first Latino quarterback, Tom Flores. He also became the second Latino head coach. The first African-American head coach was Art Shell. The first female CEO was Amy Trask. Obviously, all of that was under Al Davis's watch. Now... This week, his son, Mark Davis, I think had a tough time. He had a tough week. He had to gather facts. He had to do his due diligence. And since the day I took this job almost three years ago, what Mr. Davis has preached has been three things. It's been diversity, social justice, and domestic violence. So when we go into drafts, if there's a guy with any a history, with any, any of those type of things, I'm in Mr. Davis's office trying to show him what's going on, whether or not we've done our due diligence on that guy and whether that not that person should be in this building. He's been consistent with his messaging. And in regards to the John Gruden situation, we all respect his decisions, and we're going to move ahead accordingly. As far as the team is concerned, bottom line, we're three and two. It's week six. You know, a lot of these interim head coach deals over the years, it's like week 15 and guys are already packing their bags. That's not the case here. All of our goals are ahead of us. Three and two, one game out of the AFC lead. The focus has got to be on Denver. Rich Bisaccia, interim head coach. Look, I've known this guy for a lot of years, and I hope you get to meet him a little bit and see what a special person he is. Since he's a special teams coach, he's involved with more players on the team than any other coach in our building. He's involved with the offensive guys. He's involved with the defensive guys. Um, The irony is I've endorsed him for a lot of head coaching jobs over the years, both in college and the NFL, back when I had a different job. He's got as much respect in the locker room, in our locker room, as any coach I've ever seen in my life. And the reason he does is, is he a great coach? Hell yeah. But he's an even better man. And what I've always told people when I endorsed him is that he's the most natural leader of men that I have ever been around. Last note, uh, Carl Nassib. He and I spoke yesterday a couple of times, spoke again today. We're going to meet later this afternoon. He requested a personal day today. He just said he's got a lot to process. There's a lot that's been going on the last few days. And, of course, we support that request.
All right, so there is Mike Mayock uh, addressing a little bit of everything there, uh, as well as the Carl Nassib uh, situation. All right, on to more specifics. Uh, Talking about the locker room response. How are players feeling about this decision? We had a team meeting this morning, and uh, the owner went first uh, and kind of gave an overview, the timeline, the events. Um, I went next and talked a little bit about some of the resources we have in place to try and help players if they have anything they need or need help with. And then Coach Basachi got up and talked a little bit about who he is as as a person, as a coach. Um, and kind of redirected all the focus back to football at that point in Denver. Um, Here's what I think. I think we have an intelligent locker room. I think over the last three years we've done a pretty good job of bringing in the right kind of people. Um, I've touched base with as many of the guys as I could over the last several days. Um, We talked with the players. uh, The captain spoke up at the team meeting to a certain extent, uh, and, boy, were they eloquent. Um, the, the common denominator from the players has been focus and professionalism. And that's what I've gotten back from them. I've, is we, we've worked too hard. We've put too much into this. We believe in Rich, and, and we're going forward. We're moving forward. Um, we respect, obviously, their rights and abilities to, to comment on the situation in any way they want. And I think they're... they're intelligent enough young men that they'll do that. So uh, the bottom line, though, I believe is the focus is back on Denver. And I think the fact that we're three and two, and, and I think the fact that we got a young team that believes in themselves, feels like they've worked their tails off, and they want to finish this thing out the right way. All right, Mike Mayock you know, said in the beginning today, he really didn't want to talk too much about John Gruden, but you know, the questions kept coming, and he did uh, address them. One of the questions was, should have John Gruden coached on Sunday? Look, I, I think the reality of that is that Mark Davis really is the one that was dealing with that, okay? And I think he felt like, and I don't want to speak for Mark, but there was an awful lot of due diligence that had to go on on his side of this, okay? All I knew that is a bombshell had dropped um, the players talked about it. We talked about it with the players. John dealt with it. And then, of course, I didn't even know where, you know, again, Mark was dealing with all the email stuff. Uh, we were trying to prepare for a football game. Um, and then when we came out of the game and the rest of it came out, I think Mark was already in the middle of his due diligence. I mean, I don't think, I think he was trying to figure it all out. And again, I know what the guy stands for, and I think he was trying to do the right thing. All right, more from Mike Mayock. Uh, talked about Rich Basaccia, knowing uh, him for a very, very long time. You heard him talk about that. But then the question is, is he just an interim coach? Will there be a search at the end of the season? I, I don't see a vacuum of leadership, okay? Uh, and I want to be really clear about that. Rich Basaccia is the best leader I've ever been around. Okay, uh, the players respect and love Rich Bisaccia. So from that perspective, he and I are all in together on this, 100%. Okay, we're three and two. And so any kind of conversation about what we're going to do after the season to me is premature. You're going to let this season play out. We're going to see what happens. And I'm going to back this son of a gun unequivocally. All right, he's going to back him up. All right, more from Mike Mayock uh, addressing the media today, asking all kinds of questions. And then a personal one about how this affects him because his very close friend and his tag team partner is the guy that got fired here and now will have to live with the uh, infamy of shame. Yeah, I do have emotion, and, and, I, and I am sad. And to be honest with you, I'm sad for the whole Gruden family, okay, not just John. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all accountable for our actions, and that's how we have to look at it. All right, his friend was fired. We realized that. All right, so now the way that everything was structured before, John Gruden and Mike Mayock worked in conjunction with each other, and there was actually a hierarchy here of where John Gruden controlled 51% of the decisions and Mike Mayock 49 Now, you think that's kind of weird, but uh, somebody actually had to have final say. 
going forward now, Mike Mayock will have 51% in final say over Rich Bisaccia. Uh Mayock talked about that. I think it's a really subtle distinction. And, and he can talk 51 and 49, and, and I can tell you from my heart, that the way I've always looked at the general manager's job, regardless of 51-49, final say, all that, all that verbiage, it's my job and my department's job to service the coaching staff, to find them players they want. And trust me, nothing's going to change there, okay? Nothing will change there. It's my job and our job in that department to supply the coach. Like this morning, I was down in the, in the defensive back coach's office. Hey, there's a particular player available. I think he fits. What do you think? What's your background with him? And that that was the exact same conversation that would have taken place a week ago, and it will continue to take place. Rich and I are on the same page. Trust me. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see um, you know, I can't even go beyond the daily right now. We're going to get into free agency. We're going to get into the draft and all those things down the road. But right now, that's a very subtle conversation, and it's going to be business as usual. All right. One of the big questions is what is the mentality of the players like? And we talked about this, you know, with Sunday's game, the way that we saw the lack of energy. Uh, so Mayock was asked, what is the mentality of these players right now? If I ask uh, a player a question, are they going to be 100% honest with me? I, I think I have a pretty good relationship with most of them. I think they know I'm pretty transparent. You know, I, I, I'm pretty straightforward. My wife says to me, I'm too straightforward sometimes. That's just who I am, okay? Um, but every player that I've talked to, the reaction has been, look, we're all in. We've been all in. And, okay, Coach Gruden's gone. And what we said, what I said to the players this morning is that there, there's a um, spectrum of opinions out there about John Gruden, from total condemnation to full empathy. Okay, and everything in between. Okay, and and what I said to the players basically is that you're entitled to your position, you're entitled to your opinion on that. But ultimately, what we've preached since the day I've been here with, with Coach Gruden and just about every other team in the world preaches is the team's got to come first at some point. You know, after family and, um, and, and your religion, and team's got to come in there, okay? And I think that's what the, all the guys are saying. We're professionals. We have a job to do. We're all in. Coach, again, there's a gamut of emotions in the room about how they feel, and each of them is entitled to that emotion. But I really do believe that going forward, what you're going to see is a team that's three and twos and saying, we got to go play Denver. And all every single one of our goals is still out there. All right, going back to the players, Carl Nassib needing a day off today. And obviously the re- those remarks uh, with the emails that Gruden was referring to, referring to, to gay players. Again, the question is the black players. How, what have been the players in that locker room's response, specifically the black players? Uh, I've talked to several of the black players. Okay, I think we've reached out to a bunch of players, black and white. Um, everybody's got emotions and feelings. I've talked to some of the people in my department that are black, and, and my my I, my director of pro scouting, and I just said, DJ, I can't put myself in your shoes. Help me. Okay, so. Uh, we've spent a pretty good amount of time trying to trying to help these guys and talk with these guys, and not talk out at them, but with them. Um, and the other thing I would say is just uh, for Carl, it, it, let's be honest, he's a community of one that's openly gay. Okay, um, we do have a large community of African American players, and and we're, I'm trying to do we're trying to do everything we can for that community as well. Obviously, it started there. Okay, nobody's forgetting that. We're talking, and I'm trying to do to work with everyone, and we're going to continue to do that. All right, Mike Mayock earlier today uh, addressing all of those things, and again, you know, the Raiders back to work today. They've got to get ready for a game against Denver, a huge uh, divisional contest. But uh, you know, today was the first day that um, you know the media was going to have access, and obviously, those questions are going to be asked, and Mike Mayock handled it to. 
uh, very, very well. But this story continues to have legs. It, we'll continue to find out more and more, and I'm sure uh, we will find out uh, more about the 650,000 emails that uh, the NFL is, go- is going through with the, you know, regarding the Washington football team. And will there be other people that we hear about that are going to be affected by this the way John Gruden and the Raiders have been? All right, when we come back, uh, Steve Berline is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts uh, regarding this being the former Raider quarterback. But more importantly, we'll talk to him about the Raiders matchup against the Denver Broncos coming up this week and more of NFL Week 6. We diagnose it for you. Glad to have you with us on this wild Wednesday. Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, middle of the week, you know what that means. We put last week behind this, and we start looking ahead to this weekend's action. It all starts tomorrow night. And guess where we're going to be tomorrow night? We're going to be in Philadelphia. Well, I'm going to be here. But our boy T.J. Reeves, he's going to be joining us tomorrow from Philadelphia, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and company, going against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, Thursday night football. And I told T.J. Reeves, if you're coming on tomorrow, you must beat either Geno's or Pat's downing a Philly cheesesteak. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so that's tomorrow. And we look ahead right now with our good friend, the quarterback himself, who knows something about football and cheesesteaks and food, and unfortunately, a little bit about T.J. Reeves, too. Steve Berline, what's going on, my man? Hey, and don't forget about, I know about chicken now, too, by the way. Woo, don't we know we know about the chicken. There it is. And I was there Friday night in Blue Ribbon, the Cosmopolitan. I was drowning my sorrows with Johnny and Chachi and everybody after I called the Aces Game 5 loss. So I, I had to go to Blue Ribbon and drown my sorrows in chicken. And, and what do I do? I'm ready to send Steve Berline the pictures of my chicken. And then instead, I, I get a, a text from him like the next morning. Hey, man, I'm in town. You know, where do, where do we go watch a fight? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so, all right. I, I gave you a couple suggestions about watching the fight. Did you get a, a locale? And, and what did you think of the fight? It was, it was one for the ages, wasn't it? You know, I didn't get a chance to. Nowhere that I went. Um, had the fight and um, I was with my girlfriend and so it wasn't that important to her. So, <laughs> Wait a minute, that's the time uh, you're supposed to send her to the machines or shopping at some of the 24-7 great uh, you know, gallerias that we have. Come on, Steve. No, no, she wanted, she wanted my attention and uh, she wanted sushi. So we went to Yellowtail at Bellagio and, and uh, had some sushi over there. Uh, well, that's a great call. That that's a great call. Yeah, there you go. All right, so yeah. You, yeah, we had a good time. Excellent, good deal, man. All right, so then you got you got some good food, uh, some f- food jaunts in as well. And the the most important question is: Did you leave Vegas with more money in your pocket than you came with? I did. Yeah, um, about about thirty three dollars more than what I came with. <laughs> well, you all, <laughs> you almost paid for a quarter tank of gas. Yeah, almost did. Uh, except. Uh, uh, the the Raiders paid for my flight to come in, so uh, I didn't have to worry about that part of it. There you but go. But I did have to I did have to pay for parking when I got home. So <laughs> um, you know, there's always there's always a little butt in there, little little catch in there. I understand. All right. So yeah. w- were you at the game on Sunday, Raiders Bears? I was. All right. I was. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I, you know, obviously not a not a good performance at all by the Raiders. Um, I uh, I don't think that the Gruden thing played any role in that whatsoever. I don't think that uh, the players would have had the foresight of what was going to come out uh, the first part of this week. Um, and I I think that um, you know they they probably you know as a professional athlete you, you have to you have to know how to deal with uh, little distractions whether they're of personal nature or professional nature. Uh, whatever it might be, you know, when it's time to focus and lock in and prepare for a game, uh, that, that you have to have that ability or you will not last in the NFL. And uh, so I'm not, I, I don't think any of the players would. 
Uh, the coaches won't blame it on that. Uh, they they shouldn't. If they do, they're making excuses. The bottom line is they just got they got beat, you know. And, and you can find a bunch of different things to point out as to why why it happened, maybe or maybe the the Bears did a better job of game plan in certain matchups to take advantage of. Um, you know, who knows? I know that the Bears did not do much offensively. Uh, Justin Fields only threw for 111 yards. He only ran for I think five yards. Um, so it wasn't like it was a uh, masterful game plan the Bears put together. I think they just played more physical, uh, controlled the the uh, the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know made the plays they need to make to to take control of the game and eventually win. And that is a great point that you bring up too, because I think it gets lost on the non football uh, you know people fans call it, even media for that that uh, you know for for that that you know you are a professional athlete and you have a lot on your plate that you're digesting you know your assignment whatever position that is i mean and you have to be lock barrel focused for that and and all of the guys are for the most part they are and for something like that I mean, you can't afford to be distracted by something like that because you have to concentrate on, on your job. And, and I agree with you. But, you know, when I'm watching the game and I'm looking down at the sideline, I just did not see that spark of that energy. So, obviously, it's a natural connection for people to say, well, you know, the news that they got, you know, on Friday, you know, that had something to do with it. But it just didn't seem like there was much energy uh, from the Raiders at all. And I don't know if that was just because maybe it was a short week. Maybe you're coming off the loss against the Chargers. Or maybe because the Bears took it to you earlier on. I don't know. But there, it just was a different sideline, uh, especially you know being there in the stadium for the first two home games and being there Sunday and seeing it just was a, a different sideline altogether, emotion. Well, maybe it was. But if, if that is the case, then... Uh, you know that that blame goes on uh, on Gruden. Uh, maybe it affected his preparation. Maybe he knew the significance of what was to come. Uh, who, who knows? But the bottom line is that any player or coach that's worth their salt will will look in the mirror and say, you know what? There's no, there's no it doesn't matter. You know the the, the team you're playing is not going to feel sorry for you. They're not going to have sympathy because of what you're going through. Uh, you're, you're playing as a professor. This is your job, your livelihood. Uh, you're asked to show up on Sunday 17 times during the regular season now, and there is no excuse to not show up. If you play poorly, you play poorly, and you can't, you can't go blaming it on uh, other outside forces. I don't even care if you, if you say, oh, the offensive line is playing some backup guys or moving guys around. It doesn't matter. I mean, I played – uh, for 17 years, and you you can make all the excuses you want. The bottom line is you you've got to find a way to go out and make plays and get it done. And the the Raiders did not do that. I mean, it wouldn't have taken a whole lot of plays in that game to to get right back into it. I mean, I think Derek Carr uh, did not play well. I think he would admit that uh, he had some chances to make some plays. Uh, did he have a lot of help out there? No, he really didn't. But you have to make the plays that are there in a game like that. And uh, I, I don't think that he, he did a good job. I don't think anybody on the Raiders did a good job of, of really stepping up and, and making that game-affecting, game-changing play when they really need to have it happen. Steve Berline uh, joins us, former NFL quarterback, former Raider quarterback. Steve, have you ever gone through anything uh, as a player where your coach was either um, fired, let go, suspended, anything like that, you know, mid-season or this earlier on before? And I'm curious about you know what kind of effect that does have you know with that locker room. Well, I never was on a team where we we had our head coach fired during the season. Um, you know, I, but I but I was on teams where there was a lot of adversity during seasons. I was a the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers when uh, I don't know if you remember the Ray Caruth uh, drama uh, back uh, about hey, twenty years ago. Yeah, very well, very well, because you know Ray is from my hometown of Sacramento. Uh, know the family, so. Yes, know know the whole situation very well. Yeah, he uh, he basically had his girlfriend uh, murdered, yeah. um, and they found him in a trunk in in Georgia or Virginia, I think. Uh, uh, but that was three or four games into that nineteen ninety nine season, uh, and it was a huge distraction for the whole season. Uh, 
Yeah, we went on. We were in the playoff hunt. Uh, he was our star, one of our starter receivers. We stayed in the playoff hunt until the last week of the season. You know, I ended up leading the NFL in passing, and guys stepped up and, and made plays that year for us. And then uh, the year before that, 1998, was the year that Kerry Collins quit four games into the season. And, uh, you know, we were 0-4, Kerry Collins quits, and uh, all of a sudden I'm the starting quarterback, and it's a huge media story. Everybody wants to know what what would get Kerry Collins to the point where he would quit. And, um, you know, there were all kinds of rumors running around. You know, you, you have to manage and navigate your way through all of that stuff. And uh, there's a bunch of other examples I could give throughout the course of my career as well. But the bottom line is, it doesn't really matter. You still you're still out there playing for your job. You're playing for your family if you're old enough to have a family. You're playing for your career, and uh, the leadership on those teams has really got to step up. The veterans on the field, and of course, the coaches that are remaining, have got to find a way to unify that team. And there's still time. I mean, it's what it's four. They're they're three and two. There's eleven games. There's still uh, plenty of time for them to rally around this this situation and get themselves uh, in a position where they've got a shot at making the playoffs, which is, of course, the, the, the only goal that you have. you got to get into the playoffs. you got to get to the dance. got to get in that tournament, no doubt about it. All right, so we mentioned you know, all the time you being a former you know, Raider, once a Raider, always a Raider, and you, you were part of that L.A. You know, Raider teams. And, of course, Al Davis, the owner at that time. And there is always – that notion out there, and we're hearing it again this past week. Anytime something's going on with the Raiders, there are people, especially Raider fans, say, hey, they're out to get the Raiders. They've been out to get Al Davis. Now they're out to get, you know, Mark Davis. And there are people that maybe wanted John Gruden fired and all of this situation. Um, You know, when you were, and you were, like I said, in the middle of that, because in L.A., there was always the battle, you know, Oakland, L.A., the NFL, the antitrust suits and all that sort of thing. Um, do you feel, did you feel back then and, and do you feel now still that there is that kind of animosity still with NFL owners towards the Raiders or is that long gone? So, uh, I, I, li- I inadvertently lied to you a minute ago and I apologize Oh, geez. because you, Bring me you back. pass, me. pass the chicken back over here. I'm not sharing the chicken anymore. <laughs> you, you, re- you reminded me of, uh, a story back in the, the 1999 season when I was playing for the L.A. Raiders, and our head coach was Mike Shanahan. And uh, Mike Shanahan wanted me to be the starting quarterback, uh, but Al Davis, uh, who was the owner, obviously, at that time, wanted Jay Schrader. Yeah. And uh, so that was the beginning of the end for Shanahan. It was actually started in the in the 1980. Uh, uh, 88 season, excuse me, it was 1988 and 89 season. So Shanahan was there for all of 88. That was the year we traded for Jay Schrader at the beginning of the season. Al Davis obviously wanted Jay to play, but Mike Shanahan wanted me. And then uh, it carried over into the 89 season. And four games into the 89 season, um, Mike Shanahan uh, and Al Davis kind of came to a head. Uh, Shanahan said, "I want to start Burline," and Al Davis said, "I want to, I want to start, I want you to start Schrader." And uh, guess who won that argument? You know, uh, Al Davis won, and Mike Shanahan was fired four games into the 1989 season. And uh, so we did have to deal with that. Art Shell became the head coach. Uh, I, I forgot all my different experiences. I forgot that there was actually one that did trans- translate into that. There was a lot of chaos at that time. Um, you know, we knew we were uh, a talented football team that should be playing better. Um, you know, there was a lot of that front office commotion, and, um, you know, we were not able to rally around it. And, and, and Although in the 1990 season, that's when uh, I kind of spent my year in exile, but Jay Schrader got to play, and uh, the Raiders went to the AFC championship game that year. So, um, anyway, I, don't, I can't remember what the question was, but I just was having a little trip down memory lane there. <laughs> you, you may have inadvertently answered as well, too. And I'm just, you know, here, two of my good friends, Steve Berline and Jay Schrader together. Hey, just curious, I, how did you and Jay handle it? Were you guys cool with each other, or was there that competitive animosity with you guys? Oh, hold on. Well, Nubchuck Nub Nub just wants to get Jay on the line here. No, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, Jay and I always got along great. We still, we're still friends to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that we uh, we were uh, best buddies and hung out much together. We didn't really have a whole lot in common um, 
outside of the, the time together at the facility. Um, well, come on, Notre and, Dame and uh, UCLA. I mean, I don't expect you guys to be buddy-buddies. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's, there's no real history. It's not like USC. <laughs> right. You know, there was no real history between Notre Dame and UCLA. Well, only but, on the basketball court, my friend, as you know. So. Well, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, but, but I would leave that to Digger Phelps and, and – uh, Whoever was a coach for UCLA at the time was even though was the, you nearly time. played for Digger Phelps. Let's don't forget that you nearly played. Yeah, can, you, you got a great memory. I do. Great memory. These can find the the right jersey to fit you. Can give you the right number because you couldn't <laughs> wear you couldn't wear number seven. You know. Uh, get out of here! You're starting rumors now. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, but the bottom the bottom line was uh, Jay and I got along fine, and it was all it's all business. Yeah. You know, you you uh, you do what you got to do, and when it's time to play, you got you go out there and expect to win. That's what it comes. That's what it comes down to. No, and I guess the the long story short here, the, the quick the quick question, hopefully a quick answer is that did you feel that the NFL there was this animosity with the towards the Raiders with the NFL back in those days? Well, I think we all did feel that way for sure. Yes, I, I think that uh, you know a lot of that was was just the the, the heated uh, relationship and contentious relationship between Al Davis and the NFL, and I do think. That at that time, the rest of the owners, and, and it, it probably has carried over into Mark Davis's ownership a little bit as well, where they do feel like they're kind of the redheaded stepchild sometimes. I mean, you remember the whole the whole subject when the Raiders were trying to make the move from Oakland either to L.A. or wherever they were possibly thinking about going. Uh, I know Mark felt like uh, uh, the NFL was, uh, you know, kind of uh, against the Raiders and, and more for the Rams. So I think it still carries on to this day to some extent, yes. All right, my man. Let's uh, break down two of your former teams going at it this week. Uh, it is the Raiders traveling to Denver, and the Raiders, like you said, they're three and two, lost two in a row. Uh, they've got an interim head coach. You know, their special teams coordinator is now taking over against a Denver team that has played pretty well, maybe except for last week. Yeah, I I, uh, I think it's going to be a, be a challenge for the Raiders. You know, it, um, it's they're going to Denver, correct? Correct. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised now if the Raiders did, and this happens, you can think of a lot of examples where a team really does use all the chaos and distraction and adversity to kind of rally together and come out and, and put on a performance for the ages. There's a lot of examples of that happening. But, um, you know, I, I would be uh, surprised. I think you've got two teams uh, that, are, that are both trying to earn respectability and credibility in in the in the AFC, and uh, they both look at themselves as teams that are right there on the cusp. Um, I, I think I would have to say because they're going to Denver, I give the edge to Denver in this one uh, as long as Teddy Bridgewater can play, um, and uh, I, I think it could end up being a very good game. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders do win, but uh, I would have to say that my my gut tells me that the Broncos are going to uh, take control of that game and come away with the W. All right. Give us uh, your surprise team thus far, and is it the Arizona Cardinals or is it is it somebody else? And it could be for the better or the worse. Yeah, well, it's got to be the Arizona Cardinals number one uh, at five and zero. Oh. Who nobody would have thought that for sure. But other than them, I think you have to say maybe the Chargers. Um, you know, you look at what the Chargers have done um, and the way that Justin Herbert is performing at this point. Uh, you know, they're in complete control of that AFC West. Um, I, I believe they're, they're two games up on everybody um, and three games up on the Chiefs because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, so I think that is probably the team that, that really um, um, it has surprised me the most out of the AFC. And maybe I think it's actually they have one game up on everybody right now, four, four and one. But um, they're playing really well both sides of the ball and the way that Justin Herbert is playing. He can carry – that team and step up make plays from anywhere in the field. So I really like the way they're playing right now. All right. There he is, Steve Berline, breaking it down. Of course, you can catch him every Monday, 3 o'clock Pacific, the NFL Monday quarterback edition. He does a fantastic show on the CBS Sports Network with his uh, fellow quarterbacks uh, in the mix as well there too. All right, Steve, uh, what do you think about Lamar Jackson? I mean, Lamar Jackson put on another – 
fantastic performance on Monday night. Uh, <laughs> this guy continues to, to get the job done. And um, talk a little bit about him and then what you saw from Josh Allen last week, kind of getting over that hump uh, of taking care of business, getting a little revenge against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, well, Lamar Jackson, I think, uh, continues to it, it just uh, amaze and, and, and really establish himself as so much more than just a one-dimensional running type of guy. I mean, you look at what he did in the second half of that game. In the first half, he was completely befuddled. Um, you know, had a couple of turnovers. Um, you know, the Colts uh, were, were doing a really good job of containing him. Uh, but you could tell the second half, uh, this light switch went off, and, I, and maybe John Harbaugh talked to him in halftime. I don't know. But to come out and put up the numbers that he did in the second half, both running and throwing the football, I think he had three incompletions the second half and threw for over 300 yards in the second half. So uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous game. Uh, and, and they came back and won in the plays that he made it at crunch time and in overtime to win that game for, for Baltimore was absolutely spectacular. Um, I, I can't, I mean, that's the kind of game that uh, takes a player to a new level of confidence too. And I think Lamar Jackson right there coming out of that game uh, with the win, the way they came back and won that game, I think he probably has a pretty pumped-up chest right now and feeling pretty good about things, uh, but highly motivated and very hungry. I don't expect him to get cocky. I just think he really feels like he's established himself. And then Josh Allen on the other side, uh, uh, not on the other side, but right. on the other topic, he, he's, he's, he's truly my favorite uh, young quarterback in the league, and I, I've been touting him and pumping him since before the draft. I thought the Browns should have taken him number one. Um, I, I, he's progressed even more quickly than I thought he would, but, uh, he is, he, he is separating himself as one of the top, uh, you know, three or four quarterbacks in the league without a doubt and, uh, can carry a team on his back. No questions asked. He's going to do nothing but get better. He's just getting started. And, uh, I, I just love the guy. I love his mentality. I love the way he carries himself and he's on a really good football team with a great head coach and a general manager in Brandon Bean that really, really has done a super job uh, with that with that franchise. All right. He is Steve Berline. You can catch him, NFL Monday quarterback, CBS Sports Network. Always great, uh, my friend. Uh, appreciate it, as always. And definitely, f- from me, give your better half the, the hello for me, okay? And uh, uh, next time you know, you're in Vegas, uh, definitely let's, uh, let's get together. Yeah, we'll try to give you a little more notice next time, my man. No problem, man. No problem at all. All right, bud. Take care, we'll brother. See you. There he is. Letting the good times roll. Steve Berline. Love having part of the show. Many, many years going back and diving into his knowledge. And uh, does a great job with the color commentary as well, too. You can catch him on the Compass Media Network, along with TJ Reeves, doing college football as well. All right, Heidi Fang's going to join us next hour. We'll talk with her regarding the Raiders. And Ballpark Frank checking in, not from the hospital, but from home. Home court advantage. He's healing up, getting better. And we'll talk to Ballpark when we come back. Hour number two, T.C. Martin Show on a Wednesday. Wednesday.